We look forward to seeing you at Two Days of Truth being presented by Beyond Labels. It's our fourth annual Two Days of Truth Summit. This year's theme is Detox is for Everybody. We're bombarded by everything from chemtrails to EMFs to pesticides, herbicides, even uh, toxic people. We're going to deal with all of these aspects at the Two Days of Truth Summit coming up. Sina, give us the final information. I'm really excited about this summit. I think this is going to be our best one yet. It's June 14th and 15th at Polyface Farm. We have some fantastic speakers like Sayer G, the founder of Green Med Info, uh, Dr. Leland Stillman, who's been featured by Wise Traditions lately, Hilda Labrada-Gore, affectionately known as Holistic Hilda, you and me, of course, we also have, for the first time ever, a kids and teens program. So now the adults can enjoy the adult side while they know that their kids and their teens are having fun while also being educated by Joel, myself, and Hilda. It's going to be a blast. And this year, what we're going to do is we're going to actually teach you ancient and modern techniques for how to detoxify the body, mind, and spirit. And we're going to help you put together a personalized plan like an action plan that you can take home and start. As soon as you arrive home, you can implement this action plan and start your detoxing. You know, listen, folks, Polyface is only eight hours from half of the U.S. population. Take a long weekend, come join us, and uh, you'll rub shoulders with other like-minded people, find our tribe, and be encouraged. It's a lonely place out there lots of times, especially if you're a bit of a maverick. So come and spend time with other mavericks and get encouraged, inspired, and enthused about living a more healthy life. So I love the topic for this year, detoxification. It is one of the most important topics that we could ever address at our health summit. Because as Joel mentioned, everyone, every single person needs to know how to detoxify their body, mind, and spirit in order to achieve optimal health and wellness. Uh, it's important to realize that historically, grain was not handled like it was today. It wasn't even bread like it is today. And so uh, so if you want, I'll walk you through a little bit of, of some of that, some of that historicity uh, surrounding grain. This is amazing. <laughs> but no, we, you know, we just finished our third annual Two Days of Truth Summit. And I'm still on cloud nine. Yeah. This is such an amazing event. Each year it has gotten better. We keep improving upon it. and it has this connectivity feel to it, right? We're not just coming to listen to information from people. We're bonding, we're connecting, we're feeling like family, right? Lifting each other up, encouraging, supporting. I feel charged. I feel like my oh. battery has just been charged. Oh, oh, no, no question. Uh, lots of good memories, lots of good energy. And um, yeah, it's been, it's been just fabulous. Uh, yeah, you know, content is, is part of it. But man, just the fellowship, and and knowing that, you know, you're not alone because it gets lonely out there when you buck the system. That's it right. sure does, and we all need, you know, we need that that um, um, whatever a, you know uh, a, a a a for misfits. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. You know, one of my favorite moments was your talk mm. when you walked us through the history of how grain has become, become so prevalent in our culture and so prized and cherished. And this really strikes a chord with me because 
there's so many of us that are now grain free, right? That mm -hmm. we had health issues right. and right. we've teased it down. We're having problems with either digesting, absorbing, assimilating the grain into our bodies. And so we've had to remove it. We have a record high number of people with celiac disease, gluten sensitivity, mm -hmm. gluten intolerance. The gluten-free food market sector has exploded, yes. right? Yes. Um, because we're all searching for answers and grain seems to be one of our triggers. Gr grains become kind of like a new poison. That's you know, right. it's, it's, like the, it's like yes. the ugly, the ugly stepsister or whatever, you know, it's, 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 not a, it's not a good thing. Whereas throughout history, I mean, bread, I mean, even, even the, the communion table, you know, uh, in, in the Judeo-Christian ethic, uh, bread and wine, you know, those are the... It's, it's the body of Christ. Right, right, right. And so here we have, you know, this, this almost sacred thing, mm -hmm. and it's, um, it's now anathema for many people. Yeah, it's a poison. And in, in fact, of all the food triggers for so-called so autoimmune and chronic yeah, diseases, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. for all the food triggers, grain is the number one trigger. For, right. for a disease. Right. So, so um, you know, I think, I think uh, as, as we drill down on that, uh, it's important to realize that historically, grain was not handled like it was today. It wasn't even bread like it is today. And so, uh, so if you want, I'll walk you through a little bit of, of some of that, some of that historicity uh, surrounding grain. I would love it. Enlighten us. Grain has always been the holy grail because it was, it was hard to produce. In order to grow grain, you, you got to get rid of the sod. You know, you got to you got to get rid of the grass somehow, okay, or the trees or whatever. You got to make an open seedbed because grain doesn't just grow naturally. You know, you don't just drive down the road and and see and see a, a, a barley field and assume, oh, oh, okay, I guess barley just wanted to grow there. You know, no, you know, somebody had to do it. Well, historically, that was always done, obviously, with a sharp stick, you know, um, to, to stir to to. Uh, to till up the, the ground uh, behind an ox or a you know a mule or a horse or something and and then when you got things stirred up enough uh, then you could go you know fling it on the ground plant it kind of drag something over to cover it a little bit and you had to keep the weeds out of it and then to harvest it you took a scythe you know it looks like skithy when you write it but it's s-c-y-t-h-e a scythe you know and you you scythed it down you cut it and then you, you took it. So you know. So this this grain would be you know yay high. You cut it and you put it in a, in a bundle called a shock. And you shock it, and the grain's now up on top. And the reason for that was to, to get the grain dry, uh, to actually dry it down, to get it off the plant and actually dry it down. And then, um, and then after it sat there a couple weeks, then you could take it to a, um, you know, a hard floor, pound it, thresh it. That's threshing, pound it, you know, beat it, um, and or, or you know, with a flail, flail it. I mean, these are all old words, you know, that, that are in our English lexicon. And, uh, you know, we say flailing away. Well, that's a flail, flailing the, the, the grain, all right? And then you winnowed it, you threw it up in the, in the air, because the flailing um, separated the husk from the, from the seed, from the actual grain, you know, kernel. Uh, you know, kind of like, you know, like taking the, um, you know, taking the pecan shell off, and you get the you get the pecan inside that you can eat. You you got to get the shell off, and um, and then, then you throw it up in the air. You know, you had a breezeway, and the, the the wind would you know blow off the the chaff. That was always real light, you know, leaves and little husks and stuff like that. 
and then the grain would heavy grain would fall to the ground and at the end of the day you know you, you, you scoop up this grain you now what are you going to do with it how do you keep the rats out of it the mice out of it how do you preserve it in a day before you know before sheet metal and and butler buildings and all this stuff well you know you um you put it in a you put it in a, in a big clay pot and um and then a lot of military might in ancient civilizations was used to to guard you know nobility's big clay pots i mean these things were 12 feet tall eight feet in diameter you know massive big pots to store it in to keep the mice out of it and then um and then you know of course you'd eat it well the what what that did a it made grain very expensive very expensive throughout history uh thomas jefferson's farm book for example even in you know 1820 um uh, his farm book has has the various um values of different commodities beef chicken barley wheat corn yeah and and if you look at those ratios today um you know wheat instead of being you know 550 a bushel today it would be about you know 50 dollars a bushel that fundamentally changes the value of omnivores because omnivores can't just eat grass like cows you know the beauty the, the reason that the foundation of all ancient civilizations their nutrition was either herbivores or seafood was because those were the two things that were nutrient dense that you could eat without tillage because mm. tillage was laborious you know you're sitting with a stick behind a ox all day right and and so you know if you if you were able to you know scratch out a goodness you know a a thousand feet by you know 30 feet field that was a pretty good sized field right and so um the other thing that happened here was that the um that that during the two week drying period in the shock the sun would come out and dry down in a day but in the evening the sun would go down and the dew would come up and and so th then the then the grain would you know get a little bit of moisture and it would ferment a little bit then the sun would come out dry it down and then it would same thing and this this happened over and over again so literally until completely mechanized harvest and natural gas drying and all that that we do today until that time no grain was ever eaten on the entire planet without growing through some fermentation wow. and I mean, and stark contrast from what we have today sure right how many people actually eat fermented grains right today or right even think about that it's right. not even in our normal vocabulary right. and that's why you know like weston a price foundation that's why a lot of the whatever you know the gluten gurus uh, are all about you know fermented mm -hmm. um because because this changes the enzymes it releases it makes them more digestible you know lots of things happen in a, in a gentle fermentation process and so in the you know, in the development, of course, in 1837, Cyrus McCormick invented the reaper, which was a which was a mechanical knife that got rid of the scythe. Who, what a, I mean, that's the official beginning of the Industrial Revolution, is 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 the reaper. Then, so, so that 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 eliminated the scythe, so you could harvest it a lot easier, but you still had to go into shock and all that stuff. And so after it dried, then then eventually they got threshing machines you know by the late 1800s we had threshing machines and those were great big you know uh things that you 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 pushed your shock in and it would you know uh shake 
shake, rattle, and roll, you know, and had big fans in it to blow out the chaff, and uh, and, and you'd end up with grain in a, in a bin. It, it separated the, the grain from everything else, the leaves, the stem, the, all that. And um, and so you had you had two you know two stages. You had to cut it, and then you had to thresh it. You know those were the two stages. So today's combine is was a was a machine that eventually combined the cutting and the threshing. That's why it's called a combine. And the combine then eliminated the shock, which eliminated fermentation. Well, the problem is if you direct harvest grain, it's almost always a little too wet to go in a bin, so it'll mold. So along with the combine came mechanical drying, you know, like with natural gas, air, air you know, where you pump hot air through it. And suddenly we eliminated fermented. Other thing that happened was Prior to this time, of course, all the, the energy of a farm was draft power, you know, oxen, horse, mules, okay? And, um, and they needed stables, they needed a lot of bedding, and so actually, up until, goodness, um, up until probably 1930 or 1940, the straw, which is everything left over from the grain, so you got the little, you know, little kernels of grain up here on top of the barley, oats, wheat, you know, rye, but then you got the rest of the plant, okay? So the straw is all the rest of the plant, okay? That was actually as valuable as the grain for bedding, for cows, and uh, well, for all the draft power, the horses, the mules, all that, that were stable kept because um, we didn't have a way to pump. There were no slurry manure systems. And if you wanted to move manure, you needed to put some, you know, some straw with it to bind it, you know, so you could actually shovel it and, and get it out. And so there was a huge demand for the straw. And farmers knew that that straw grew crops. That was biomass, that was, all right. But once we went to mechanization, eliminate the draft power and the combine, the whole goal was how can we shorten the plant? We don't, we don't you know, it takes too long to separate the grain from a great big tall plant. Let's shorten the plant. And so, so over the next, you know, breeding decades, the plants have gotten shorter and shorter and shorter, which means the ratio of the plant to the grain has changed. Where it used to be, you know, the grain was, well, let's just say, uh, you know, 10% of the plant's weight. Today, it's more like 50%. And, and again, the shorter stalk too allowed you to put a bigger head on it because you know it did, you didn't have to hold side it wasn't as tall as a skyscraper you know you yeah. could you could hold it more and, and so all these things uh i, I know the book uh for example wheat belly if you've ever read the book wheat belly um he goes into great detail about this shortening and the ratio of, of the plant to the leaves and yeah because the thought is that it changed the gluten content yes in in that grain right in the part that we eat right which right it, it, it increased the content of the gluten which they're theorizing is maybe one of the reasons why we're getting triggered by it more because yes. of the amount of grain that we eat in the standard american diet right it's well, everywhere yeah and and, 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 and the, the other thing that all that all this quote what quote unquote grain efficiency did it lowered the cost of grain so the first time in human history grain was cheap 
That has never happened in human history before, where grain is cheap. Well, now suddenly, everybody could eat it. You know, bread wasn't a special communion. Bread wasn't a special thing. Um, and 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 our you you probably know this way more than I, I don't know. But the the, um, the amount of grain consumed in crackers and 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 bread exponentially went up from like 19 whatever 70 yes. through 2000 that 30 year period and of course that's also the period 1979 when the uh, our dear friends at the um, uh, USDA gave us the food pyramid yes. for the first time and put cereals on the foundational bottom yes. so everybody's oh, okay let's you know it's cheap it's carbohydrate you know it's accessible let's eat this and so the combination of no fer no fermentation a change in the in the ratio of the plant to the to the production and simply the the exponential increase in the volume of intake you, you get those three each one of them is a strike you yeah. put them all together and and you've got something that's as you know historically you know the holy grail of civilization was grain production i mean that that was when we could actually settle down and and you know and build cities and and all that. Um, the the here the foundation of civilization has now become I don't know a poison a, a you know a, a suspect a suspect uh, partner. Yeah, it's definitely a trigger for a lot of people. Um, and what I find fascinating is that when you talk to people on a personal level. They often think, oh, I don't actually eat that much grain. Like, how often am I, am I eating bread or like a bowl of cereal, you know? But it's ubiquitous in our food supply. Yeah. And if you just looked at the food labels, for instance, you'll see wheat, you'll see corn, like corn or corn derivatives are in Doritos. everything. Yeah. yeah. And it's often hard to identify it on the label because we convert them into synthetic chemicals in a lab mm. and then we put them in food. So there's like, there's hundreds of different names for different types of corn derivatives that are actually in mm. the food. Mm -hmm. So I rarely buy anything that's processed because I know how to read the label. Right. I know how much grain is in there and uh -huh. so I don't eat it. Mm -hmm. But it is ubiquitous. And like you said, it's a different type of grain than they used to eat back in ancient times. We right. think it has more gluten in it. It's definitely changed in its profile just by shrinking the size of it. Another thing that has changed is the desiccation of yes. the wheat crops when we're spraying glyphosate on it, mm -hmm. right? To bring faster to, to, harvest, to uniform aid, harvest. To aid the dry down. To aid the dry, aid down, the dry down, down to, right? One potential thought there was to help it to not grow so much mold, mm -hmm. right? Right. Uh, but you're spraying it with glyphosate, which, you know, component of Roundup, right. which we know is a patented antibiotic, right? right? Not good for your microbiome, whatnot. No. It's associated now with all kinds of imbalance, what I call imbalances, mm -hmm. what modern science calls diseases, right? right. In the body, <laughs> uh, right? How to get that in there. Um, and so we're spraying this on our food and then we're not allowing it even any time to break down or to, you know, run off. We're chopping it down, right? We're harvesting it yeah. and putting that in the food. So, 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 what, so what is supposed to be um, like wonderful sacred sustenance That's right. uh, becomes feared, feared and and uh, and actually, whatever uh, <laughs> a borderline poison, yeah. you know, uh, which which is um, debilitating to the human body, especially in the volumes that we're eating. I mean, pizza dough, um, uh, Doritos, yeah. 
all crackers. I mean, it's all uh, and think. I mean, you 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 can't go to a you can't go to a party with hors d'oeuvres, no. and not eat a dozen crackers for the little cheese and the you know the uh, the charcuterie and, and all this. Uh, it, 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 it's the delivery mechanism, right? In finger in finger foods. It is. I mean, things that you wouldn't think of are derived from corn, like citric acid. I mean, how many times have you, if you read the labels, you'll see citric acid mm -hmm. on there a lot, like right. as a quote unquote preservative, mm -hmm. that's often derived from corn. Um, a lot of people are taking vitamin C, right? Especially with COVID, we're loading sure. up on our vitamin C. Sure. A lot of supplemental vitamin C is actually derived from corn. And if it's not saying organic on the label, mm -hmm. you can probably bet most likely it's gonna be this genetically modified corn sure. that has been sprayed with some kind of you know, pesticide, sure. herbicide. And and let's just make a note that all of this uh, all of this grain is the feedstock yes. is the feedstock for all the fake meat, lab meat, all the things that we're doing. You know that those, those things they, they they try to demonize the cow um, and say substitute this instead as as if as if this this new stuff is can be uh, whatever generated ex nihilo. You know, like we speak it into existence. But it doesn't. It, it it all needs a feedstock. There are train car loads of, of stuff of feedstocks coming into these labs to, to make this, and it's all this kind of material that we're talking about. So what we want to do is, you know, long term we want to go we want to go to longer stems. I mean, so what 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 should farmers do? Well, we should be we should be um, seeking and patronizing longer stems. And uh, I mean, that, that's one thing, obviously not using the chemicals. And actually, I mean, in the perfect world, you would close the loop so that the, the uh, if you're gonna feed animals grain, that it actually comes back to where it was, you know, where it was, the manure and urine come back to fertilize uh, where it was produced. And, um, and then, you know, for us, um, you know, sourdough, you know, fer fermentation uh, is, is a big deal. And probably you should just, Abandon the breakfast cereal aisle in yes. the store. Oh, I, I mean, second that. <laughs> I, I, I've said forever, you know, if, if everybody ate like me, there, there would be no breakfast cereal aisle in the store. I mean, that, yes. that, that's like the worst aisle there is. You know, it's better to eat whatever, you know, inorganic oranges than it is to go to the breakfast aisle. So, um, so yeah, the gra grains uh, have really, that, that, that cheapening of it, the ubiquitous availability, all that, has really changed um, not only agriculture, but it has changed what's on our plate, and then you know what's actually feeding our our microbiome, which which didn't get to vote on it. Yes, yes, I'm so glad you brought that up because as you're talking, this is what was coming in my mind is that we we have so much fear many of us about grains and mm -hmm. totally trying to avoid them at all costs. And this is a man-made problem, yeah. right? Man totally. intervened right. And, and changed totally. this plant yeah. entirely and everything about it and how it's harvested and whatnot. Because one of the things that I've realized in my own journey of trying to um, transcend the fear mm -hmm. behind grains is that you're the one that told me that cows will eat the seed, right? Mm -hmm. But the difference is when the cow eats it, He's not eating that every single day, right? right? You even said it, it's kind of like a condiment, yes. the way that he eats it's it. It's a and lot it's, more like a condiment. And it's yeah. in season, right? He yeah. eats it in season. Yeah, so when so when a, when a cow comes up and eats, I mean, look at how little, I mean, this, this is the whole blossom. So the seeds 
are are a quarter the volume even of the blossom. Okay, the the seeds are buried in this blossom is what I'm getting at. All right. Well, look at look at the size of the plant. You know, uh, th this is the kind of ratio that nature tends to want. That's the kind of ratio, and 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 what we've done with modern grain production is we've we've made a ratio like this. And, and that's what we're describing is, is what happens to the enzymes, the uh, goodness, the nutrients, the, the basic uh, nutrients uh, that happens when we, when we move from this to this. So, you know, I don't think we know all the ramifications. We don't. Uh, but this, this helps to, I think, put a, you know, a deeper understanding on how we got to where we are right now. And, um, and and how we get back from it. And one of the best ways to get back from it is, I mean, you disagree if you want, but just uh, eat fewer grains for sure, yes. and um, if and and substitute it with good pastured herbivores that are getting a variety of of plants out here, and um, and concentrating it in in uh, in the same ancient pathways. I mean, these cows on this diversified pasture, uh, eating everything from weeds to clover to grasses to forbs to, you know, herbs and plantain and all that, they, they are absolutely identical in their, whatever, in, in their diet, their makeup, their digestion to cows 5,000 years ago. So we can connect to that ancient wisdom through salad bar beef. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Beyond Labels. If you like what you hear and you would like to hear more of this type of content, so you can subscribe to Beyond Labels and also you can check out our Two Days of Truth Summit. It is available online. The description and the link to purchase it is in the description box.